I saw that on TikTok. My videos been viewed like over 5,000 times. And oh. I'm going, I am not going to look at any of the comments. But I did look at one and it said, said I need to get out more. Because I said I lived and worked in South Carolina all my life. <laughs> and I was like, that's fair. <laughs> Maybe, but you didn't say you didn't visit places. You just said I know. You like, I mean, I have traveled. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to episode 21 of Black, White, and Blue in the South, a podcast discussing democratic politics with a Southern flair. I'm Bill Kimler. I'm Jamil Brooks. And we welcome you to this week's episode, which is part two of our interview with Sally Ouellette, who testified at the recent South Carolina House hearing on transgender children and gender-affirming care. If you like what you hear in this episode, please leave a rating, tell your friends about us, follow us on social media, or better yet, get me a social calendar manager right away, please. <laughs> Let me tell you a story about last night. Oh, goodness. So I shared with you that I got invited to a hoity-toity dinner. Yeah? To, uh, be held at the Inn on the Square. Okay. And it was a, a high-paid ticket to get in, um, tux or suit, you know, whatever you have. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go hobnob and uh, meet and greet with the elite. Okay. So I show up yesterday. The place is empty. I got all dressed up. I sprayed myself. I, I got, you know, the pin on and the shoe shine. I'm looking good. The place is empty. Where is everybody? Yeah, they'll be showing up three weeks from now when the event is actually scheduled. I oh didn't read the text properly. <laughs> I thought it was <laughs> last night. And uh, literally, it, it's almost a month from now. So... <laughs> Well, at least your heart was in the right place. Yeah, right. This is what happens when you are just going from event to event to event. Yeah. And you're just not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> so please, if you want to help a brother out and help me organize my life, man, I am here for you. Oh, goodness. <laughs> You can always drop us a note at black, white, blue, in the south at gmail.com. Send us your comments, questions, topic ideas. You can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and even threads. But please do leave a review, even if it's just to let us know you're listening, because it helps our show grow. We have a Linktree page that can connect you to everything. So look at those show notes where we'll have that and links to all material mentioned in today's episode. And now to finish off our conversation with Sally Ouellette. This next testimony speaks for me. You know, as I was learning about this issue and watching the testimonies happen, I don't have transgender children. I'm not one myself. I don't have the point of view. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert. So I did have an angle I thought of that I thought was interesting and clever, and I was going to introduce it. But then this person said the exact same thing, just 10 times better. So I'm going to turn it over to Sevi Alvarez. Good afternoon. My name is Sevi Alvarez, and I'm here from the city of Spartanburg. I'm here to speak in opposition to H4624. This bill is a transparent assault on the medical freedoms of trans people, youth in particular. Being trans is not a choice. It is a medically documented condition, and the vast majority of medical professionals agree. Trans people are born that way, and the only choice they make about it is to whom they reveal it if they ever do. In many cases, being trans requires medical intervention, and when treatment is not provided, the life of the trans person is in danger. 
I spent most of last year battling intestinal cancer. When my doctors found out what was going on with my body, they recommended treatment for me. It included drugs with side effects that were irreversible. I had to undergo two major surgeries that forever altered my physiology. The doctors recommended these life-changing procedures because they were the best chance I had to successfully tr treat my condition. And I'm happy to say that it worked. My cancer was successfully treated and I am expected to live a long and healthy life. What would have happened if the state of South Carolina had outlawed those radiation treatments and chemotherapy drugs? What if they weren't allowed to perform the surgeries that saved my life? Where would I be? Probably dead within a year. Lucky for me, no one in this legislature had the idea to outlaw cancer treatments for the sake of fear-mongering and earning cheap political points. Let me be clear, I am not saying that being trans is equivalent to having cancer. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being trans. But the fact remains that in both cases, the proper treatment irrevocably changes the body. When that happened to me, the government didn't object, nor should they, and they wouldn't object if a child had to have cancer treatments either. Trans people already have a hard enough time living in a society that still has trouble accepting them as human beings, as children of God created in his image. They should not be forced to fight battles against a hostile government on top of that. The medical freedom of a marginalized group is on the line with this bill, and make no mistake, even if you are not a trans person, if you allow this bill to pass, then you are giving the government a license to strip away the rights of anyone in our state from making their own medical decisions. It could happen to you next. Thank you. That feels personal. How so? Well, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in September, so part of that was going through a bilateral mastectomy, and I consider that gender-affirming care because... I had to make a decision whether to get reconstruction or not and, you know, research all of that. And, you know, my body is forever changed. So I was I was very touched by his testimony. And I don't even see that as gender affirming care, even with the, the trans treatments, although that's the phrase we use in yeah. all of this. It's life-affirming care. Medically life. necessary. These are actions taken by medical professionals to save and enhance a person's life. And seriously, if you view cancer, which was he had through no fault of his own, it wasn't something he saw on YouTube, there was no cancer agenda out there. It is a biological thing that happened to him. He was able to get treatment. And if you view that metaphysically in the same light, as transgenderism, if you don't feel that that is a biological thing, not something you chose to do, and I think that really is where the biggest debate is. All of those who voted in favor of this bill, by the way, no secret, I'm going to spoil the surprise, this bill passed this committee and went on to the general floor to debate, but we'll talk about that later. They all believe that this is a choice, that this is an optional way to feel. And as Representative McCravey erroneously cited studies that they all regret the change afterwards. And if you just ignore it, it would go away and they would go back to their identity. All of these falsities where study after study shows true scientific biological differences that lead to this. It blows my mind. It's like it, you might as well say we're going to deny kids cancer treatment. It feels the same in my soul. Well, and we would talk about it too. It's it's a spectrum. Like me growing up, I wore a football jersey to my kindergarten picture. 
Now, my mom was not going to put me in a dress, and it was just not happening. And I was called a boy, and I loved it. I mean, I was just very much a tomboy. And a lot of people think, well, if you were a tomboy, you still consider yourself a girl. Well, yeah, but I was very much not a girly girl. I was, And I was told constantly I was not feminine enough. I was not... Uh, a lady enough. They wanted to send me to Betty Lane Cherry's uh, charm school my grandmother did in Orangeburg. And I considered it because I'm thinking, well, maybe that'll make my grandmother approve of me a little bit more. And so I think that, that that's where we've all kind of struggled in some ways. And there is a there's a spectrum there. It's not just one or the other. Our next testimony comes from Zoe Glass, who's reading a letter from an anonymous teen. Hi, my name is Zoe Glass, and I just want to thank the chairman and the subcommittee for allowing us to speak today in opposition of H4624. I would like to first share with you an anonymous letter we received from a South Carolina teenager. Hi, I am a 17-year-old trans kid in South Carolina. I cannot give you my name because I am one of the trans youth who are at a risk of physical harm if my family were to find out I were trans, but I still want to make myself heard. As a trans kid in this state, We are exhausted from having to prove our humanity to people who clearly want us to disappear. That is what this is about. Voting in favor of this bill is going to put trans kids' lives in jeopardy. Please do the right thing, or you'll be personally responsible for the endangerment of countless kids. We might not be able to speak in person without risking our lives, but know that South Carolina's trans kids are all watching you today. We are afraid. I ask that you please protect us, not from the imagined boogeyman, but from this harmful legislation. We deserve a life without abuse and harm, and you can do something about that. Thank you. So it is crucial to emphasize that transgender youth deserve the same chance to thrive as their peers. And this bill poses a serious threat to their mental health of transgender youth in our state, to their safety, dignity, and equal treatment that every individual deserves. It perpetuates discrimination and intolerance and fosters an environment of fear and shame. Likewise, this bill fails to recognize that not every home is a safe space, and disclosing personal information could lead to rejection, abuse, or harmful conversion therapy practices. Let us not forget the overwhelming public support for LGBTQ rights in South Carolina. Statistics show that 67% of the state's population supports comprehensive non-discrimination protections for LGBTQ people. South Carolinians recognize the humanity of LGBTQ plus individuals. We understand that there are friends, family members, and neighbors who contribute to our communities and deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. This bill, thank you. You you mean to tell me we gonna pass a bill in the whole state of South Carolina with people who don't have a clue because that's not their area of expertise. No disrespect, but you got lawyers that are on that. You have every other walk of life, but you want to pass a bill, those individuals, but you have clinicians, you have every licensed representative that is the expert in the field, and you give them two minutes to give you the facts, real life scenarios on why this bill is a bad idea, and you give them two minutes? Back when Rebecca Bishop spoke with the genetic studies, she used the phrase p-value. And I feel like no legislator None of them knew what it meant. No legislator should be allowed to vote and they, until they can explain out loud, without notes, what the freaking p-value means. And when she said it, I said to myself, they don't know what that means. They don't. 
They don't have a clue. And they don't care. But when you you come you come to a place, you say it's a public hearing. People come in and they're experts in their field and they're giving you the facts. You have pediatricians. You have the genetics that's being portrayed. You have people who know this and you don't want to hear them. This next clip went viral because, and I had a conversation uh, with this gentleman's wife online. It went viral because, in my opinion, he does not fit the bill of someone who would be testifying in favor of transgender children treatment. So take a look. We have uh, Eric Charles is, is next. Good afternoon. I'll start by thanking you for allowing me the opportunity to speak today. My name is Eric Childs. I'm a resident of South Carolina, an Operation Iraqi Freedom Combat Veteran, student, taxpayer, proud father of four amazing children, and a lucky husband to an outstanding mental health professional. I'm opposed to Bill 4624. I want each of you that are in favor of this bill today to examine your credentials and your education then ask yourself if you treat these kind of patients of any kind. If the answer is no, that should be your response to this bill today. Point blank. I find this bill to be an egregious overreach by our government, endeavoring to control our state citizens and oppress yet another marginalized community. The American dream is for all people, not just those that attend church with or closely related to our state's legislators. The promise of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is for everyone, no matter whether you agree with how they choose to live, how folks enjoy their liberty, or pursue their happiness. As long as they aren't infringing upon the rights of others, the way that you are intending to do today. I joined the military in my youth to defend this country. I was deployed to fight religious extremism and help set up democracy in another country halfway across the globe. Only to come home and now have to defend against a different faction of religious extremists in my own backyard. I swore an oath to fight enemies both foreign and domestic. My oath never expires. As long as you attempt to legislate and oppress the people of this state, I'll be here to fight you for their freedoms. Big government is not something that any of us want or need. The purpose of the government is to serve the people. I'm just one of many veterans that fought for the freedoms of the people that you intend to control with this atrocious piece of legislation. I recently visited our nation's capital and had the opportunity to see Arlington National Cemetery. I can attest to the fact that it is truly striking at number of headstones that stretch across the landscape there. As a combat veteran, a very proud father of a trans child, I ask that you respect the sacrifices that were made in the name of freedom for this country and vote no for Bill H4624. Good job. Good job, See sir. Good job. I know, right? Good job, sir. It still gives me chills. I told yes. Eric he did such a good job. First wow. of all, whoever hit that buzzer on a combat veteran should be run out of that room and fired or lose their jobs or Immediately. Whatever. Immediately. What have you. So, so he said a lot of things that gave us goosebumps. Yeah. You know, and, and he so eloquently summarized my personal legislative philosophy, which is as long as you're not harming somebody else mentally, physically, or financially, then God bless you, pursue Carry whatever on. it is you want to do. Carry on. Right? I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to find its moral. I'll give you an example. You want to eat boiled peanuts, and I abhor them. Bless you. Eat all the boiled peanuts you want. I'm not coming around near you, but I'm yeah. not going to legislate that. Yeah. And and why they feel the need to legislate this is mind-boggling when there are so many true issues out there. Yeah. 
I agree. And you know, it's, it's amazing that he's a vet and he says, I signed up to go and fight and establish democracy in a foreign land. And guess what? Now I'm here and I'm having to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. How dispiriting is that? Absolutely. Because that's what this is about. This is imposing your will upon the free will of others. And maybe, let's just say maybe there's all these dangers involved. Fine. They're going into it with information. If you want to legislate the information that's to be given, you know, you must show all the warnings that are out there that's medically provided. You must have honest discussions. You meet all of these requirements and they still make an informed decision correct fine no different than the signs that are being forced around tobacco stations you know comes with risks then you still want to go ahead and smoke fine my personal issue with smoking is that it's not just affecting you it does harm those that are around you and in your presence but i get off course there i I just applaud applaud eric we're going to hear from his wife jessica who spoke right after eric did thank you for the opportunity to speak today my name is jessica spearman i'm a native of anderson south carolina a licensed professional counselor associate, a mom of four teenagers, one of which is trans, the wife of a combat veteran, and the founding president of PFLAG Anderson. I am in a unique position to love a trans adolescent and work professionally within the mental health field. Today I am here in opposition of 4624. Like many other teens in this state, All four of my children have typical teenage concerns. However, legislators are only concerned with the daily health care of my trans child. Being a sophomore in high school, my trans child inquired of his government teacher, how do you respect a government that wishes genocide on trans kids? I cannot fathom the emotions felt by an educator having to speak to that level of questioning. Standing before you today, I cannot refute the negative impacts on South Carolina that 4624 will have, especially on mental health care. When limiting access to medically necessary treatment for trans individuals, you're inhibiting the ability of parents to make informed decisions based on evidence-based practices. Additionally, the forced outing of trans children by educators and mental health professionals puts them at an additional risk of abuse and neglect by their parents, overwhelming an already failing Department of Social Services. Lastly, as a professional and as a parent, I believe I have the choice of health care that it is the choice of health care for my child is between our, our doctor and us as parents. My child is alive and thriving because he receives the care necessary. Please vote no on 4624. That was perfectly timed. Thank you. You almost made me say something. The devil you mean is perfectly timed. I didn't get to see her testimony because I was out. I was right before Jessica. (laughs) Yes. So you were busy focused in your own little world. I was. For sure. I had broken down. There was one thing that she brought up that the others hadn't, and that was the aspect of this bill that would do forced outing. Do you know if there was any outcome? I thought I saw some debate after the testimony regarding that amendment to the bill. I believe, and from, from what I heard, somebody that brought up dropping that piece of it. And I believe that they did. But now I'm questioning myself. When it goes to the House floor, I kind of feel like it's going to pass. If it goes to the Senate, they may put it back in. I don't know. 
But I do know that that was something that did come out of that subcommittee and was voted not to continue in, in this bill. We've got four more clips to play, but we're going to get to our guest providing <laughs> some testimony, and we're going to play that now. Are you ready to watch yourself? Have you gone online to watch it? I did. It I watched it. <laughs> and how is it watching yourself speak? It's, it's a little hard, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's emotional. All right. Here is uh, Sally Willett. I'm from Pendleton, South Carolina, and I ask you to vote against House Bill 4624. I see my Rep. Cromer here today. This is my testimony. I was able to protect four kids pounding at my door, running from a shooter, but I'm struggling to protect my own kid from bills from our state legislatures. I don't think any of y'all understand the daunting task this is for us parents. As for me, going out in public has been difficult since 2016 when I experienced what no one should have to experience. I was a school counselor at Townville Elementary when a shooter drove onto the playground and fired his, multiple, his gun multiple times. I was in my office at the time and heard screams and banging of four first graders who had been separated from their class running away from the shooter. I hid them in my office with the lights off and pushing desks in the way of doors. I texted my family and then I looked to see what I needed to do to keep those kids safe from anyone trying to hurt them. At that point, those children became my children, and I was ready to guard them with my life. I suffered PTSD as a result of the event. So coming to speak to you today is very tough for me. My voice may be shaky, but my resolve is clear. I grew up in South Carolina. My family has been in this state since the 1700s. I have lived and worked only in South Carolina my entire life. This state is my home and there's never been a question of whether my family belonged here. Unfortunately, this legislative body is making it much more difficult for me to feel like South Carolina is a welcoming place. I have a child who is gender diverse and under the transgender umbrella. My child has been out for over two years and this is a small part of who they are. They are also a straight A student and an artist. They are thriving with the support of family teachers, coaches, as well as therapists and doctors who love my child as I do and work within their own organization's standard of care to provide the best health care possible. <laughs> However, trans and diverse kids have been shown to be easy targets, and we know the real target is the entire LGBTQ community. I know this because instead of addressing gun violence, you are fast-tracking this bill. Every kid we sheltered at that shooting mattered. Jacob mattered. No matter where they were from or who they were, many adults performed some of the most heroic acts that day. So what do you think we do for our own kids to get them the care that every major medical association deems is safe and evidence-based? We do what we must do because our kids matter. So thank you very much for your testimony. You can see everybody behind you visibly shaken by that. Uh, such powerful. Uh, you know, I, I've spoken with you in the past and, and know just a little bit about the, the story of the school shooting. And, and I'm not going to ask you to go into details here, but I, I do want to point out that you shared that you struggled whether to even bring that subject up as part of your testimony. What was that decision process like? I think a lot of it was just that I felt like it's a story and it's a powerful story and my kid's been affected by it you know we've all been affected by it and the the ripple effects of gun violence especially you know a school shooting like that one 
it still resonates with, with so many in the community today. I mean, yeah. you know, Jamel, you'll know probably working with some of those kids. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that that's something where I felt like there was a way to, to kind of weave that story in. I wasn't sure I was able to do it, but I felt like it was a powerful story and it is a part of who I am. And just to let them know how hard it was for me to even come and talk about it, but to also know that gun violence right now is is a leading cause of death. Mm -hmm. Um, What it was, was a great callback to John McCravey's opening statement saying this bill is about saving kids. And what a disingenuous statement that is. And you brought up, this is what saving kids is about. I put my body on the line for kids. You let me know when you're ready to do that, Mm -hmm. then maybe we'll have a conversation. But when you also say you're willing to put yourself on the line for your own child, there's no doubt about it. No (laughs) doubt at all. My mom told me this when I started in the education years ago. Um, I was so invested, and this was at the collegiate level. I was so invested in making sure every one of those young adults were successful. And I never forget it, and she still says it to this day. You can't save the world and lose your own. Mm -hmm. And when I heard your testimony, the thing that came to my mind is this is an example of you you were willing to put your life on the line. Any school shooting is something that just reading about it should stop your breath. But to actually, and I'm trying to contain myself here. No, no, it's hard. But to Those actually, tissues are over there. I'm telling you, to actually be in the room near someone who sacrificed their life to protect the children that were not biologically hers. And here she is today fighting to get people to say, let me still protect my own. That's a bit much. And the burden that is still being placed on you to continue to carry that light is not one that's for the faint. That's a very difficult task. The emotions that you have are warranted. Mm -hmm. I can't say thank you enough for what you did. I can't say thank you enough for what you continue to do. I mean, I think one thing when you go through something like that, I lost two years of my life. I mean, I didn't realize how bad the PTSD was until I started to laugh again and and have conversations and feel like my brain, I was like, oh, oh, this is this is my personality. (laughs) I remember now, you know, and it really didn't start to come back until about 2018, the end of 2018, around 2019. And that's when I started to realize, man, PTSD really did take a lot, a big chunk of that. It is hard to to talk about, but on the other hand, I think that it's it's so important to say this is what I was willing to do, whether or not, you know, I had to do it. It's still what you're willing to do. I was willing to die that day. I was willing to do whatever I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to save my they kid. They put a buzzer yeah. on a combat veteran. They put a buzzer on a lady yeah. who saved the lives of first graders. How dare they? Yeah, that buzzer. I, you know, the sad thing is that buzzer truly is distracting me from the true issues being brought up. You, Distraction. You, you, this next testimony, and by the way, there were so many wonderful people who took the time and offered their testimony and you know I had to pick and choose and Mm -hmm. this is not a judgment that I found one testimony worthy and one not so please if you don't hear your own voice on this podcast just realize I just couldn't play the whole thing but we will direct you in our show notes that you can watch the full testimony online and see all of this for yourself this next one as powerful as yours was Sally this next one really resonated with me and this is where I had to pull the tissue out This was a gentleman named Jim Guilfoyle, who was a grandfather. 
and I never had a grandfather growing up that I that I knew. And I just watched him and just said, boy, I wish he was my grandpa. This is the one that I would have and one that I want to be. So just listen to Jim. Hi, I am Jim Guilfoyle, and I'm here today because my granddaughter is transgender. And there's nothing good in this bill for her or for the other youth of this state. A lot of what I was going to say um, has been said very eloquently. And I'm not going to try to repeat it, but I do want to stress the fact that when you take away the one positive option that these kids and their families have, you leave them with some awful, awful options involving pills, guns, nooses, razor blades. When you take away a parent's right to decide, you do terrible damage to that family. But the biggest thing I'd like to do today is find out how, why some of you people who support this bill support it. I can't believe that you're evil. There's got to be a reason. And I would love for you to contact me and tell me why it is you want to do this to these people. Again, my granddaughter is, is transgender, and I love her dearly. There's nothing in this bill that helps her. Everything in this bill hurts her. This is a terrible bill. I'm asking you to kill it right here in subcommittee. Vote no, please. Thank you for your testimony. I mean, wow. how do you watch that? The cold hearts, the dead hearts that sat in that subcommittee, saw Mr. Guilfoyle speak, and didn't even hesitate in voting this bill forward. How do you do that? What makes you that way? He asked the question that the moment we get the answer, we'll understand exactly how a lot of them operate. He said, what is it? Because they're not evil people. You know, he says he refuses to believe that he refuses. So what is it in it that is causing you to support it? And that is a question that goes along with a lot of this ludicrous behavior that we see. What is driving you to do this? And I've said this to you before. I don't believe that they are truly concerned about saving lives. I don't believe it. You can't convince me that that's what it is, because every time they say save lives, then they put out some crap that does the complete opposite. This is a really good point. One of the things that I will say is that we have good doctors. It takes a lot to get in to see the doctors, the mental health professionals. Not all of them take insurance. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have great care, but we're paying for it. The other thing is that had we not had great care... Had we not had somebody who knew the community, who understood and gave us and set all of the, the facts out there, we may have made a rash decision. Mm -hmm. I think in some ways you're going to end up having kids making more rash decisions. I know one of the, the things that, that people like to say who are for this bill, they say that don't believe the suicide thing. They do. They say that, you know, don't don't believe in that kids are going to take their lives. That's just a scare tactic. Mm -hmm. Number one, it's not. Mm -hmm. But number two, 
the main thing is that, I mean, transgender and gender diverse people have been in this world since ancient times. They Mm -hmm. will be in this world long after we're gone. For us to be able to provide or at least access the care and to have that care available, more research comes about. We care for people better. That's what happens. That's what happens with medicine. The more you close that down, the care is going to get worse. Mm -hmm. The care is going to get to where somebody might be in danger because they're getting something off the internet or they're getting some things from somewhere else. And We've seen throughout history where authoritarian regimes have begun labeling certain groups and segments of people as subhuman, issuing laws restricting their freedoms, where they can live, whether they can vote, what they can buy, what they may be forced to wear as a patch on the side of their arm. We've seen this pattern before, and that's exactly what's happening here. This next clip is from a lady who was out of ducks to give, if you know what I'm really trying to say. Thank you so much. I'm Vicki Ringer. I've not prepared any formal remarks, but I would just like to say, as so many have said before, I know I'm not going to provide new information. The makeup of the board indicates that nothing I say will matter. Dang. The fact that we have a full committee meeting tomorrow suggests the same. Mm. But this is harmful. There is so much that needs to be done for the benefit of the kids in this state. So to tell me you're protecting kids is such a falsity. It is not true. You are hurting kids. Listen to the parents. Listen to the doctors. You're dictating the practice of medicine. And there is malpractice involved in what you're prescribing. So take more time and talk to these doctors. They know what they're doing. This whole suggestion of a transgender ideology, like it's some nasty thing that's going on. As the Bells testified, as others have testified, this is not a journey anyone wants for their kids. Look at you and what you're doing to the kids. Nobody wants that for them. I like her. So listen to the people who are impacted and get out of your mind the far reaches, the polarizing comments on the far right. Listen to mainstream Americans, doctors, and parents. They know best what's right for their kids, and you tell us that every day. They know what's best. Listen to them now. Mm. Thank you. Shout out to her. (laughs) Well, Vicki. Shout out to Miss Vicki. Oh, I'm a fan. I am too. I've always been a fan. I remember her on Twitter. Yeah. When I see somebody use the phrase transgender ideology or leftist agenda it automatically deducts around 20 iq points from my perception of you mm-hmm. because you're issuing stupid statements yeah as vicky said this is not an agenda nobody asks for this this doesn't provide any benefits to an individual especially yeah. especially when she said look at you now well, yeah, look at what we're having to do. We drove, I hydroplane half the time going oh, that to was, that. Oh, that was that, vicious that I mean, day. they closed school. Yeah. And I left and I'm sitting there going, all right, I'll just go, you know, 60 miles an hour and just, just bebop my way down there and I'll get there early. And I made sure, I mean, we braved some pretty awful weather just to even get there. We've got one last bit of testimony in, in this one. This is the get your tissues ready testimony oh, right here. This is Elizabeth Foster, who oh. talks about her sibling who is trans. So now you get to hear from a sister. We've heard from parents. We've heard from grandparents. We've heard from transgender individuals. We've heard from medical professionals. Now we're going to hear from 
a sister. Um, good afternoon. My name is Elizabeth Foster, and I'm currently a freshman at Georgetown University. Um, but I spent the first 18 and a, half, 18 and a half years of my life in Beaufort, South Carolina. Um, and I also happen to be the proud sister to a transgender brother. When my brother Knox came out as transgender five years ago, it was certainly not a result of peer pressure. It didn't make him more popular, he didn't make a bunch of new friends, and he didn't fit in better with the friends that he did have. For the most part, he was alienated from his peers. Some students poked fun at him and others provoked arguments with him about the validity of his identity. As Knox's little sister, it overheard and often cried over the comments that people knew better than to say to his face. Considering what people felt comfortable saying around me, I would never want to know what they said when I wasn't around. It seemed like people were invalidating Knox's identity from every direction. And yet, anyone who knew Knox would swear to you that his happiness increased tenfold overnight once he came out. He was friendlier, funnier, chattier, and so much more confident. He was nicer to me and my friends. <laughs> I saw a positively giddy side of him for the first time. The joy that resulted from Knox finally being able to live fully and honestly in his true identity was undeniable. Even though there were zero social incentives for Knox to come out. He knew that telling us the truth, that he had been struggling with his identity, and after a few re years of research thought he might finally know why he'd always felt something was off, would mean being able to talk to a professional to explore the concept of gender dysphoria and learn about therapy options. After about four years since the last time he'd worn a dress or sported a haircut longer than a pixie cut, Knox was able to receive counseling and hormone therapy to affirm the identity that he had known was his for years. Withstanding the taunting and blatant disrespect that followed Knox's coming out was made infinitely, infinitely easier knowing that his honesty would allow him to receive life-saving care. In a world that constantly insults, vilifies, and invalidates young trans people, it is the absolute least you can do to ensure that they are still respected and affirmed by their healthcare providers. Age 4624 sends the broader message that people like my brother are undeserving of the pure joy that comes from being able to live as one's true self. This joy is not in any way harmful or dangerous to any of you or any other South Carolinians. It is innocent and beautiful and should be valued just the same as any other child's happiness. Thank you. Whew. That was tough. It's rough. It's rough mm -hmm. on this side. I can just say it's rough <laughs> on this side. I do want to say that for those that, oh, let me get myself together. Okay. For those that think that it's okay to support someone who would support a bill such as this. You may not know anybody who is a member of what I know as the family. And if you have friends and family members that are LBGTQ, they will tell you it's a family. But I, what I can tell you is this. If you continue to support this foolishness that we just watched and we just heard, this is just the beginning of the bills that you will see that will come from those same individuals that will continue to ostracize and oppress anyone who does not look like them, think like them, and represent and stand in the way that they do. We were built to be different. That's what makes us better. So do not allow anyone who represents you, your city, or your state to bring bills forth that causes you not to be different. Dr. Brooks, you and I have been working hard and will continue to work hard this year 
to reach that very office, those same lawmakers who stand in judgment of all those who testified. And it is the furthest thing from my mind to introduce or support any legislation that would bring a young woman to tears like we just heard. I can't fathom being in support of anything that causes hurt and grief. These are not actors. These are real, living human beings. I did not intend to want to run for office. This wasn't a goal of mine in life. Goal of mine in life was to watch as much TV as possible with all the good shows that are on. In fact, just a quick sidebar. Uh, how I Met Sally was on Twitter back in the day, and uh, you used a profile picture. Yeah. <laughs> what was the profile picture? <laughs> well, it's um, from Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a character on Game of Thrones. Is my favorite character, by the way. Uh, Arya. And I'm... Arya Stark. And there's a picture of me photoshopped. Like, <laughs> like I'm... And, it, and I'm Arya's BFF, and I'm like... So uh, being a pair of big uh, Game of Thrones nerds, uh, mm-hmm. I met her online and, and started speaking with, with Sally. But, but the point is, I did not seek to run for office. This was not a an all-my-life goal. Now, Dr. Brooks, it was yours. You, it you've is. already shared your story. It is. But when I saw what our legislators locally here were doing and the absolute harm they are inflicting nationally and locally... I had no option other than to stand up and say, this is wrong. I'm not a combat vet. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a doctor. I, I, I don't serve my community in those fashions. So this is the way that I know best with my strengths and talents to come out and defend those who need defending, yeah. to defend those who are being bullied by those who have all the power. And I'm going to bring this to light Uh, in every way possible. When you hear those words and then you still vote yay on that bill, that tells me all about you that I need to know. I will will say Erin Reed is a great activist and she is transgender and has a sub stack, but she follows all of the anti-trans laws in the country. One of the things just what y'all have been talking about are what other bills might be coming down since South Carolina is is wanting to have a ban passed. It's good to look at some of the other states to see what's being written. These aren't being written by the people in the states. This is being written by Correct. Alliance Defending Freedom, Alec. by yep, Alec yeah. and folks like that. So they're getting more. One is is basically taking transgender out of everything. You know for a fact, John McCravey did not read one damn study. Instead, yeah. he relied upon Alliance Defending Freedom, and what a bullshit name of an organization that is. If there's anything that they're defending, it ain't freedom. It they are a recognized not. hate group. Yes. Um, I'm feeling it because I'm feeling the hate. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have two questions for you, if I may, and, and, and Dr. Brooks, feel free to interject with any questions of your own. But there's two that I want to wrap up with uh, that's on my mind. The concept of testifying. I swing between two very different opinions. One opinion is, it's a complete waste of time. Why do people bother standing in front of that microphone when they know there are lawmakers who, they never change their mind? They never do. They never admit they don't know what they don't know. They know everything, and this is just a dog and pony show. And then at the same time, I swing, well, if people don't speak, then it never gets on record. What do you feel having been somebody who has testified? I'm glad I did. 
I wanted to testify when they had the hearing in the Senate. I wanted to tell our story because the thing is, is that one of the people saying, you know, there are trans people out there listening. They're watching this. There's an archive of this. That's that's huge. So know? aside from an actual legislative outcome, which yeah. looks like it's pretty much a done deal it anyway, is. the fact that you're reaching out and letting others know that mm-hmm. they are not alone, you're saying is all yeah. worth it. Every person in that room, and they had an overflow room. That room was full. They had an overflow room. Every person in that room and in the overflow room were against the bill. And just so people don't think that I cherry-picked just the the ones I found uh, aligned with, of all the people who testified, there was also quite a few people on Zoom or Teams or whatever it was that testified. I did not include any of their clips due to audio quality. There was only one who supported this bill. Yes. Who was that? Uh, Matt Sharp from the Alliance Defending Freedom. And he actually, I think that, and I'm just saying this as my opinion, I think that's the only reason they had a hybrid meeting was because he didn't fly in to testify. Normally they don't allow testimony. No, they don't. Testimony is usually given in person. Yes, they did offer it during the pandemic. But after the pandemic, I asked many times if I could testify over Zoom and they always denied me. So So for this guy with Alliance Defending Freedom, they allowed it. Now, I did not play his clip because I think playing McCravey's clip summarized everything I wanted to hear from that side anyway. But was there anything specific you wanted to bring up? Oh, I mean, he he had a he always cites a Swedish study that talks about it's a high quality study. Basically, the, the study is a, was done in 2011. And it doesn't say anything. Of, they talk about the high suicide rate of transgender individuals, but they studied transgender individuals between 1973 in 2003. And I think the individuals were people who had gone through gender reassignment surgery. But during those times, the world was different. Also, the comparison was to the general population, not to the transgender community who did not go through those gender assignments. So there was no control group. There was no control group. So everybody's citing this Swedish study as to the high suicide rate of people who go through this transition as a reason why we should not have medically necessary health care. So they go through this one study, study done in 2011. And even the study author said, that's not what it says. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, the authors always come out and say, no, you're misinterpreting what we say. Yeah. So the last yeah. question I have is given that this legislation is likely going to pass the House and mm-hmm. in, in some form in the Senate, what is your contingency plan? Have you even gone there mentally yet? When the law know. kicks in that <laughs> says your child may not get their treatment? What's Um, the plan? I don't know. I mean, you know, we're all kind of just waiting to see. Everybody's sort of like, well, we'll figure it out. Some people are moving. I know that that uh, that has happened in, in many other states as well. As my testimony says, I've never lived anywhere other than South Carolina. But Emma and and my husband, they're fine with it, ready to go. We have to leave. I would hate to leave, though. I don't want to leave. It would be my a parents huge are here. loss to South Carolina. Um, I so, mean, just the talents that you bring that we saw those who testified have. You know, you talk, take a look going back to Oliver and just the amazing person he is and the work that he does to deprive South Carolina of that is unthinkable. Okay, so let me backtrack on a couple of things and then I'm going to circle in and end up. As to how did I know I was always going to run, I don't want this clip to be about me running. But what I will tell you is that in case you didn't know, I'm black. 
And oh, oh my God, there's a whole new episode there. Oh, so so I've I've been a part of that group that has mm-hmm. been ostracized all my life. So Absolutely. I knew that if I wasn't going to speak for me or people who look like me, who would? And actually, I don't want anybody else to. So I always knew that that would be it. And so it's just now is the day that I'm going to wear somebody out. We're done with you telling us what life should look like and what life has to be. I mean, they don't set a good example of what life should look like. So I don't want them telling me what it is. A a couple of things that I want to say to you. One, this is your home. South Carolina is your home. You don't allow people to come into it and tell you and force you to go somewhere else. If your roots are in South Carolina, then you let your roots stay here. And the way we shape things and we change things is that the people who don't understand that you live here too, and this is your home, they no longer get to sit in those seats. Mm -hmm. That is the way we handle this. And then I, I think what is most important for people to understand is whenever you hear situations like this that cause opposition, inside of opposition forms alliances. People who don't look alike start to team up and fight for the cause. So even though they think this bill is going to do something in support of them, the passing of this bill will do nothing but draw more of us together who don't look alike so we can fight the same fight and get the crazies out of the way. I want to end by asking you one question. What is it that you want us to know, mom? What do you want to tell us? Oh. As a mom. As a mom, I mean, I think the the main thing is that as long as you're as you're trying to affirm my child, and and this is the one thing I try to tell people who work with my kid because it's very obvious. I know that there are some trans kids that aren't out as trans kids, and so my kid, though, whether they want to be out or not, they are. And so I try to come up with this is happening. And the main thing is I try to make it not a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also it's just get to know trans You know, like I got to know Rebecca and absolutely just fell in love. Just think that she's the coolest. We just talked about genetics because that was one of my favorite classes in college. Okay. And she was telling me all of the work that she does. And so I think that that's the thing is just stay open and get to know people and, and understand that that's not all of who they are. You know, they have interest I mean it's one part it's yeah. just one part and it's just how they how they express themselves and how they move in the world but that's one part of who they are well breathing is just one part that's of who good. we are too that's but right. if you take that away we can't enjoy the other parts that's of our right. existence yeah. and that's a wrap for this episode of black white blue in the south we thank Sally Willette for joining us today on this very special two-part episodes Boy, did we learn. Boy, did we laugh. Boy, did we cry. Uh, But at the end, I think we're all a little bit better for having talked this out. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you've made it here to the end, you must have loved it. So why don't you take a quick minute and leave us a rating using your podcast app and let us know what you thought of this episode. If you are a blue dot in a red sea, keep the faith, keep up the hard work. Change only happens over many years of hard work and dedication. So join us in that fight and get involved any way you can. Go vote. Do, 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 the end.
The preceding podcast is a product of Big Media and Copyright 2024, all rights reserved.